I'm Hilary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. I'm here today with Gina Davis, Academy Award-winning actor and founder of the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media. Also joining us is Craig Newmark, founder of Craigslist and Craig Newmark Philanthropies. To learn more about the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media, visit cjane.org. And for more on Craig Newmark Philanthropies, visit craignewmarkphilanthropies.org. Gina, welcome. It's such a pleasure to be speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you. You too. Yeah, thank you. And Craig, welcome back. It's lovely to speak with you again. And thank you for connecting us and bringing such a wonderful guest onto the show with you. <laughs> hey, it's uh, all my pleasure. <laughs> thank you, Craig. So, Gina, thanks for agreeing to come on to Cybercrime Radio. I'm totally a fan of yours. Of course, your work in, in Beetlejuice, Thelma and Louise, and A League of Their Own, but I, the, the movie Earth Girls Are Easy has a special place in my heart. I loved that movie growing up. I loved it so much. And then also your performance recently as Sandy Devereaux St. Clair in Glow was phenomenal. I love that show so much. It was so great for women, and your performance as her was fantastic. So I just had to get all of that out of the way. Oh, thank you. And what a great character name, right? <laughs> so great. Yeah. Such a, oh yeah, perfect name for someone like that in Vegas. Just hit the nail on the head. Anyway, I digress. As I mentioned earlier, we're here to talk about Gina Davis Institute on Gender in Media. So do you want to tell us a little bit first about how you and Craig met, but then also, you know, what you were witnessing during your career that led to the inception of your institute? Right, right. Well, I met Craig a while back. A mutual acquaintance introduced us, thought we should know each other, and I'm so glad that he did. And Craig has been an incredible supporter of the Institute, and we've really, uh, we've really bonded over all this stuff. So that's been exciting. So launching the Institute was basically instigated by having a daughter. And when she was a toddler, I decided to start showing her preschool shows, naturally. And from the very first one that I watched with her, I was horrified by how few female characters there seemed to be. And then I saw it in other kids' videos and other kids' shows and kids' movies. And I was thinking, well, wait a minute, what are we doing? I know that there's a lot of gender disparity in general in our culture, but Surely, in the 21st century, we should be showing kids that boys and girls share the sandbox equally. And I didn't intend to launch an institute and make it a whole mission or anything. But I found that when I asked people about it, I talked to dozens of people asking, have you ever noticed how few female characters there are in movies and shows made for kids? And every single person said, that's not true anymore. It's been fixed. And I knew what I was seeing in my amateur finger counting way. And I thought, well, that means that this is utterly unconscious. If nobody notices what they're making, and therefore, if I was able to get the data and present it to them, that could have a big impact. And so that was my plan from the beginning. Because I'm in the industry, I can go directly to the creators of all this content and in a very private and friendly way say, I happen to know you don't know this, and would you like to hear this research? And I somehow managed to figure out the magic bullet <laughs> to, to making change in this area because the universal reaction was that creators were horrified. They had no idea, just as I had intuited, 
that they were leaving out that many female characters and they profoundly wanted to change that and fix that. So it's been kind of fabulous ride trying to address this problem. Yeah, that certainly sounds like it. And that's a happy sentiment as far as them wanting to change it and just, you know, you being able to kindly point it out to them in an appropriate private way. I'm sure they all very much appreciated that. And, And we do too, as consumers of media, we of course appreciate it. Craig, next question for you. How do the initiatives at the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media align with the work that you're doing at Craig Newmark Philanthropies? And in addition to that, can you tell us more about the Cyber Civil Defense Initiative? First principles are that you want to treat people like you want to be treated yourself. That means fairness for everyone. And In practice, that means job opportunities for everyone because large enterprises need to be protected, our country needs to be protected, and if you have the raw skills, you should have the opportunity to participate in that. Well, like Gina says, if you can see it, you can be it, meaning if whatever kind of person you are, if you could see someone like you doing that job, even if it's just TV or film, If you can visualize it, that means that you can actually go after that opportunity. And that's something I'm seeing happening among lots of people. That's a real thing that's happening. Overall, our country is under threat from people who really do wish our harm. And we're under more or less continuous cyber attack. And just like in World War II, if you could play a role in protecting the country, and if you have the skills, then you should be doing it. We will be providing means by which you can get civilian-level education as well as professional-level education so everyone has a chance of doing that. My model is a civil defense, but what that really means is that I was the right age in the very old days to be part of Duck and Cover, and that was literally me in elementary school. And that's not so bad. That's why I have the banner up there, and you can barely make out the civil defense helmet I have. So everyone gets to participate, whether it's for a good career, helping save the country, maybe both. Fantastic. Well, Gina, your institute is a founding member of Girls Lead STEM, which for anyone unfamiliar is a national awareness campaign culminating in October to elevate the diverse voices of young women and girls in STEM. So what sparked your interest and involvement in Girls Lead STEM. I'd love to learn more about that. Right. Well, when we do our research, it's never only about how many female characters are there, but how are they depicted? What do they do? What careers do they have? And that's always been incredibly important to us because as we're discussing, entertainment can be a window into what you know professions are open to girls and boys. So we got increasingly interested in STEM portrayals after hearing President Obama in 2008 discussing that in the U.S. we're going to fall behind in the technology arena because children, especially girls, were not pursuing careers in STEM. So as a result, we did a dedicated study that looked at the portrayal of female characters with STEM careers. And the first time we published the study, we found there was a 15 to 1 ratio of male to female characters in STEM. And since then, with the support of Craig Newmark and Delighta Hill, we've been able to continue that research. That's excellent. And so 
what will your institute be investing in to support Girls Lead STEM? Because I, as I saw it on the website, it kind of broke out the founding members and what each was going to be tackling together. Right. Well, we're going to be updating and presenting our research on STEM in October, and I'll be kicking off 2023 this Saturday, International Women and Girls in STEM Day, on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me, the NPR show. Very cool. So as of right now, women only account for 25% of cybersecurity positions globally, and that diminishes, especially as you get up to C-suite levels. But how will the equitable representation of female STEM characters in media that you're talking about in the research that you're doing, and then that work with Girls Lead STEM, how will all of this work to help support girls to pursue cyber and other STEM careers? Because quickly, one thing that I know from all the different conversations I have with folks, and and being a, a woman myself, of course, you start to form those ideas of what you could be when you grow up young and you're only exposed to, you know, the classics and perhaps cyber is not one, maybe it's becoming one, but it's certainly not one that's necessarily been targeted to young girls. So, you know, how will all of this work together to help that cause? Yeah, absolutely. As Craig pointed out, our tagline is, if they can see it, they can be it. And we've shown over and over again that seeing a character in a certain profession encourages girls or boys to pursue that career. We actually did a study for 20th Century Fox. They wanted to know what effect, if any, the Dana Scully character had that Gillian Anderson played. And we called it the Scully effect. And we found that 63% of the women currently working in STEM were influenced by that character, wow, which is an amazing statistic. One character from one show and 63% of women in the field are in it because of that character. That's incredible. I mean, she was a great character. I mean, she made STEM look cool for sure. And that was probably an early representation of that. There weren't many characters like her before the X-Files came out. That makes sense. Wow. That's a, that's a big statistic though. That's very cool research. It's very cool. You get to do that research. That's so fun. Craig, well, you're at, and you've been at the forefront of supporting equality and, and diversity, sitting on the boards of Girls Who Code and the International Women's Media Foundation. So I know you mentioned earlier, you know, kind of the golden rule, but what were you witnessing that made you want to get involved and help support young girls and women across a variety of industries, but especially within STEM disciplines? Well, we're talking again about fairness for people fairness for everyone. And I did notice, you know, I was a kid in like junior school, high school, lots of women, well, girls at that age were really interested in STEM disciplines. But over time, there were fewer and fewer. What's worse is that when I was in college, there was a lot of excitement and women in computer sciences. But over the subsequent decades, that started disappearing. And that smelled wrong to me. So I figure in the interest of fairness, I could do a little something and support the organizations which would help girls and women get into STEM areas. Because my own background is in uh, computer sciences and so on, that's where I pushed most heavily because that's something I know about. And as a result, that meant that working with Girls Who Code, for example, and introducing the idea of cybersecurity training there, and for that matter, helping promote that kind of thing within the Girl Scouts. 
my seven-year-old neighbor in San Francisco showed up with her mom months ago, not long ago, with her first three cybersecurity merit badges. Considering that I'm not getting any smarter, I don't think I would be able to compete with her anymore. And now she's eight. <laughs> so the deal is that, you know, fairness dictates an interest in this, but also national defense means that we have to have people who have a lot of training within all STEM disciplines. And we need everyone who has the skills to participate, to help out, because there's a lot of jobs open in cybersecurity and other STEM areas, and it's all hands on deck. Absolutely, it is. And I'm not sure about the totality of STEM areas, but I know particularly for cybersecurity, we're in the midst of a major cyber talent shortage. And according to our research here at Cybersecurity Ventures, between 2013 and 2021, the number of open cybersecurity jobs worldwide grew 350% from 1 million to 3.5 million. And we predict that that will remain consistent for at least the next five years. So Craig, second question for you, how can the increase in diversity, equity, and inclusion help close this gap further? And I know that you kind of touched upon that, but if you could share a little more, and how can resources such as Gina's Institute and Girls Lead STEM also help? I guess we tell people that here's how to get the education you need. There's genuine opportunities there. We need to show people of all sorts that there are already people like them represented in these areas. And then we need to repeat those message as long as it takes. This is a long-term effort, but it's worth it because of fairness. And again, there actually is a serious national security matter right now. We need people who can fight on the battlefields of the future. And those battlefields may be information spaces as well as physical geography. Everyone needs to help and everyone will be able to help. Absolutely. And I know there are a lot of memes out there that I see on Instagram about how, you know, your best girlfriend can find out a guy's entire life history, like within an <laughs> hour, just through Google searching. And, and whenever I see those, they make me chuckle because like, number one, it's true. But then number two, that's cybersecurity. Like that, it's like, we're good at that. Like women, it's like intuitive for us in a lot of ways. So anyway, well, Gina, you've mentioned your research and I was reading more about what the Gina Davis Institute but you also have the Gina Davis Inclusion Quotient, also known as the GDIQ. And so I'd like to have you tell us more about that and what the findings of this tool that you've created have been. So we developed GDIQ as a diversity, equity, and inclusion benchmarking tool for TV, for film, for global advertising that can identify through audio and video gender, as well as screen time, speaking time, characters with disabilities, age 40 plus. We can look at body types. We can look at LGBTQIA and disabilities. So it uses a hybrid methodology of AI and then also human expert coders. And then we have another tool that we've developed since then called Spell Check for Bias, because we realized after launching GDIQ that an even better way to make an impact is to provide an intervention tool that content creators can use before they make the product, where they can examine diversity and equity and inclusion before they cast it and before they produce it. And we have partners at NBC Universal that have been using Spellcheck for Bias for a number of years now, and it's influenced a great many changes in their scripts. 
Okay, awesome. So spell check for bias, if I'm understanding, it can like basically scrub a script to see, you know, how they're allocating different characters and things like that to see that it's equitable. Yes, exactly. And you can tell gender ladenness or that kind of thing. You can tell a lot when you analyze the dialogue in a script. Okay, cool. And so then from there, if something was I guess, considered inequitable. However, they would, you know, quantify that they could adjust things before they get into filming and production and all of that. Is that kind of the idea behind that? Yeah. Yeah. To make the changes before you shoot it or cast it. You know, if our report shows that you have 80% male characters, which you didn't realize (laughs) when you read it, you have the opportunity to make the change and also in every possible way to make a more diverse cast. That's awesome. And it's really awesome that you're able to identify all of those different groups of people because it's women, of course, but it's not just women. It's everyone to become more equitable. And that, of course, will also help us in our fight in cyber for national defense and and everything beyond. Well, I guess, Gina, I I can probably figure out the answer to this question, but I want to ask you, you what excites you about the continued and further impact that GDIQ and spell check bias will have? It's fabulous. I mean, uh, we've had a lot of success already, but I think these tools can really revolutionize how people look at and think about diversity because what we're talking about is unconscious bias and we all have it. But if we change what kids see first, we can do a lot to mitigate that. And that's why I got interested in this whole thing from the beginning is seeing that my kids were going to learn that girls are second-class citizens And how can we prevent that? It's so hard to get rid of unconscious bias once you have it. But how about we stop promoting it in our popular culture? That's really smart. I feel like you get to the root of everything, which is really important. You're like getting ahead of things, which is fantastic. Well, Craig, the tools that Gina, you know, have created, you know, what are these tools teaching us about the possibilities of machine learning and AI? Because I was somewhat unfamiliar with how those could be applied in the way that they're applying them. And it got my brain kind of going on these possibilities, but I'd love to hear. Well, whenever someone is building something, let's suppose the person is one of goodwill and a good conscience, sometimes unconscious or implicit bias lead us to be unfair to people in ways that we really don't understand. And sometimes that needs to be put in our face along with quantification of the results of that unconscious bias. The tools uh, Gina and team have developed do tell people that no matter what their good intentions were, sometimes things go wrong. It's like in adjacent fields, a lot of people have done a lot of good work in facial recognition, but they haven't accounted for unconscious bias which means that those tools of facial recognition do poorly when looking at people who are not just like them. So even people operating in the best of conscience need analytic tools to tell them that maybe they need to do better. That's a great point. Yeah, tools are incredibly important. You know, I'll tell you a quick story about implicit bias. When I was in Australia one time, they told me about a short film competition that was very popular. And every year, the judges were only able to select about 17% of films directed by women for competition. And this is very smart, educated people, and they tried and tried their best, and they couldn't move the needle. So finally, one year, somebody said, you know what, as an experiment, let's take the names of the directors off the films 
50-50. So intelligent, dedicated people who are trying their best to overcome their biases were not able to do it until the data showed them what was happening. Wow. I would wonder how much do you know, like how much it changed when they took the names away or was it more equitable? Yeah, it went to 50-50. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's that's huge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Wow. That's, that's really fascinating. What else is your institute working on? And it can be anything not just related to what you're doing with Girls Lead STEM, but what else is it that you all are, are working on? Is there anything else you'd like to share with our audience? Oh, actually, yeah. I wanted to tell you about a show that we're producing, which is called Mission Unstoppable. And it's now in its fourth season. And it's a very successful series that reimagines STEM for girls. And our host is the very talented Miranda Cosgrove. Oh, cool. Yeah, she's incredible. In just three seasons, we've reached over 3 billion viewers. And we hear from girls and women all the time telling us how much the show has inspired them to pursue STEM careers. That's awesome. I'll have to check that out. That's wonderful. And she is. She's great. I mean, I think the first time I saw her was School of Rock, and I loved her in that. But yeah, that's awesome. That's very cool. Well, Craig, final question for you. How about you? Anything else that you'd like to share with us, including now, Gina, you might not know this. You probably know this about Craig, but not necessarily me. Craig and I share a love of birds. So I always like to ask whenever I speak with Craig, if he's had any fascinating recent bird sightings. So Craig, that was my last question for you. Well, in terms of sharing things, the work that we're talking about is proving useful in a lot of ways because in the computer industry in particular, people want to operate in good conscience, people try, and if they're given a reminder that maybe things aren't quite right, that improves things. Bird sightings, nothing spectacular. My wife and I were gone for a week or so. And we missed seeing Ghostface Killer the pigeon, but he was back today demonstrating his mastery of the pecking order. I was afraid that maybe he wouldn't be showing up again. So that was great. Seriously. Have you ever listened to Ghostface Killer? Well, I believe there's a musician yes. to that name and I have tried <laughs> listening to him, but I, I prefer my guy who does remind me that if uh, humanity is not careful... Uh, pigeons may uh, become our replacement species. Pigeons are adaptable. Yeah, that's great. They're, I have a love for pigeons too, even though they're, you know, they have their reputation. One quick thing. I don't know if you saw that woodpecker who had put 700 pounds of acorns in someone's house oh. over time in, in California. That was quite impressive. <laughs> He's my role model. <laughs> Mine too, I guess. That's a great, that's a perfect send off. Well, Gina, it was very, very nice to meet you. Thank you so much again for agreeing to come on the show and tell us about your institute and all the great work that you guys are doing. I'm really impressed and fascinated. I have to check out that show and just thank you so much. Thank you, Hilda. Thank you. And Craig, it's always lovely speaking with you and I, I look forward to our next discussion as always. Hey, my pleasure as always. I'm Hilary McClure, Vice President of Multimedia Productions at Cybercrime Magazine. Joining me today was Gina Davis, Academy Award-winning actor and founder of the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media. Also joining us was Craig Newmark, founder of Craigslist and Craig Newmark Philanthropies. To learn more about the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media, visit cjane.org. And for more on Craig Newmark Philanthropies, visit craignewmarkphilanthropies.org. And for more podcast episodes like this, you can visit us at cybercrime.radio.